The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on Hyatt 9 News are those of the individual speakers and not those of Hyatt 9 News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Jesse, put the headphones on your ears. Headphones on your ears. Do you hear this? Do you hear this? All right. So mute, right, so mute that button. button. There we go. All right. Oh, 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 no. You still haven't muted it, bro. I still see green. High at nine news needs to be muted. High at nine news needs to be muted. You're not muted, bro. Oh. You're not muted because I can see it's green. There we go. Now, we now, go. Now, oh, now you're muted. There we go. All right. Good morning, everybody. Sorry about that little technical difficulties over here. We got Jesse still learning how to drive a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes we need to make sure that we keep the pedals in the path. Can't hear Jason. Car. You can't hear me, Matthew? No one hears me? All right. Try. I can't hear Jason. Hold on. Now, now try unmuting then the fuck here gretchen can try try unmuting it now try unmuting it okay no i still see mute on it i hear jason on youtube you guys hear me now hear me now yeah all right all right all right good morning everybody oh yeah thank you all for joining us and getting high at nine with us it's monday august 14th and today is national creamsicle day i'll get ready for this all you vril out there it's also national lizard day and it's national navajo code talkers day Thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube. And audio only on Twitter spaces one day, but not today. Um, so with all that said, we're going to keep this rolling. And we are going to roll right in. Oh, we don't have any Rico. Where is Rico today? He's late. Oh, man. You know, Are you ready, Gretchen? Who, me? Oh, uh, yeah, you. Yeah, you. 
Sure. All I right. So right, 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 right Amazing. All right. Well, we're going to roll right on in to our feisty, redheaded conservative, Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to walk her dogs in promiscuous outfits up and down Capitol Hill that even PETA would be ashamed of. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Okay, okay, I hope I, I sound. Hope I, sound no, I really don't. Sounds, sounds like national, like national echo, echo to me. me. But all right, what the hell? My headline: NAACP, NAACP renews, renews support for marijuana legalization, legalization with, with, with cannabis, cannabis industry, industry workers. workers right. right. The NAACP, NAACP has, has voted, voted to adopt, to adopt a resolution that renews support for federal marijuana legalization with a new call to protect workers' rights in the cannabis industry. At the 114th, At the 114th NAACP, NAACP National Convention, Convention late, late last month, month delegates, delegates held a plenary session where they voted on a variety of measures, measures including one that reaffirmed the organization's prior cannabis reform, reform platform, platform, while adding a new, a new position, position on labor, labor peace agreements and marijuana industry worker protection. protection. The resolution, which was adopted without discussion during the session, notes that the majority of people in the cannabis industry will be workers rather than owners. And advocates and advocates that the, that the workers who grow, who grow process, process, test, distribute, distribute and, sell and sell cannabis deserve a fair, a fair and safe workplace and family-sustaining job like, job every, like other every other worker. Access to union representation, training, and apprenticeship will help help ensure that a broad range of workers can benefit from the cannabis industry, especially workers from communities that have been disproportionately impacted by cannabis prohibition in the past. Further, the measure notes that unions and related labor services like apprenticeship can promote can diversity, diversity within, within the marijuana, marijuana space, space, helping to promote, promote industry participation by people who've been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. The NAACP called legalization and descheduling of cannabis at the federal level and reaffirms its past cannabis, the cannabis industry's decriminalization and equity, and expresses an intent to advocate for federal, state, and local medical and adult use cannabis legislation. That includes labor peace agreements as a condition of licensure. Marijuana, Marijuana legislation, legislation should also be crafted in a way that ensures all cannabis workers from cultivation to sale to delivery are treated as employees under the National Labor Relations Act, Fair Labor Standards Act, and Occupational Safety and Health Administration, including the right to join, form, or organize a union. The United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, which represents cannabis workers in several states that have enacted legalization, celebrated the adoption of the resolution. UFCW International President Mark Perone said in a statement that the NAACP action marks a crucial step forward to making sure employers and legislators understand the profound impact that a worker-friendly cannabis industry could have on people of color. Cannabis industry workers, like every other worker, deserve safe workplaces and family-sustaining jobs, Perone also said recently in a letter to Biden. This is especially true for the formerly incarcerated and others disproportionately affected by the war on drugs. As American Cannabis Unions, we again thank the NAACP for this resolution and for acknowledging the importance of cannabis organizing and achieving racial equity and making sure workers' voices are heard at every level of the cannabis industry. Uh, I, I think this is a good thing by the NAACP to support this kind of efforts for uh, unionization in the industry. I think it is needed, um, but I would wonder... Uh, if others on this panel believe that unionization might be the way to get uh, more social equity into this space. This is Gretchen Pride, 9 News. 
Oh, man. More unions. More unions. We don't need well, more unions. That's... I don't know. <laughs> what? Okay. What? I mean... I, I I'm just I'm just I I just I just think that the that the uh, employees are definitely underserved in regards with unions. Not to mention they uh-huh. are, are they pay overdues, way way too much in dues to justify the type of representation that they're supposed to receive. Hmm. Hmm. I disagree. Next. You disagree. Well, you know what I have to say about that? Jason's right, and Gretchen is wrong. (laughs) I mean, nothing else is working to get social equity into uh, this industry. You think unions are going to work for social equity? Well, Well, I think think I'm sorry that I I, I couldn't hop on early. I know we're having a a little technical difficulties here as a team, but I was on my end too, because uh, my story is going to talk directly about that and what's working, what's not working in social equity right now. So does it hit on unions? I don't know if the NAACP is, um, is is spot on with the whole union talk. I mean, I'm only for unions when it comes to like large companies, when they have the, uh, when they're over leveraged, uh, uh, over levered with power, um, over the little guys that are involved. So, I mean, it talk, my story talks about MSOs and how MSOs might be the only path forward for social equity. So, I mean, it kind of like uh, goes directly into that. So, Well, I think I what know, the man. NAACP is suggesting is that because this is going to be so dominated by larger corporations and such, and the little guy doesn't yeah. stand much of a chance, the little guy is going to need the help on the worker side, and that's how they can promote it and get uh, people the jobs that they're looking for, the wages that they're looking for. Um, yeah, because the big boys aren't going to supply it. It's true. But I have my, I have, I have split feelings on NAACP and um, about them. I'll go into that, in Rico. The conversation a lot longer than I think that they should have. They should have been in a lot earlier. They should have been in a lot more vocal earlier. Um, but I guess well, better late than never, right? In that whole like clear thing. Oh man, what are we talking about, Mandy? <laughs> what do you think, Mandy? You can talk about it. All this, yeah. all this. I couldn't hear most of the story. Unfortunately, the reverb was really bad on my end. I'm sorry. Basically, the NAACP says the way to social equity is through unionization. I believe that? Oh, I don't believe that. I'm not buying okay. that for a second. That's just a way for the NAACP to capitalize on all these social equity applicants. Yes. Is it really though? I yeah. don't know. Yeah, they're they're advertising. They're, they're they're advocating for businesses that have I no money to even open to all of a sudden start off with labor unions that 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 is going to cost their employees money. I think they would have had a much stronger name and stronger foothold within the cannabis industry had they spoken up a lot earlier. You know, when there was a lot more opportunity on the table and and helped guide a lot of these. Uh, uh, I guess, communities of color that were looking to get in earlier and help guide them when they needed the most help. Um, unfortunately, out here in California, like a lot of folks, as you know, Jason, uh, as you know, Mandy, a lot of folks that were, and everybody else from California, a lot of the folks that were in early have tapped out. <laughs> they've tapped out, they've either gone back to the trap or they've just 
sought opportunities in other in other lanes, and they could have helped. It, it could have helped if uh, NAACP spoke up earlier and helped uh, have their back earlier. But they were they had a anti cannabis stance, and all of us were on the ground marching. So you're saying it's basically just too little, too late. I wouldn't say that. Um, I just wish they would have came earlier. Too. I don't think it's ever too late for this industry. We don't even have legalization yeah. yet, Jason. So I, I I can see people getting into this uh, debate and truly because we have not been able to come up with a real answer on how to help with social equity and to make it a real thing. I think we should be looking at all possibilities. I agree with that. I, I mean, I can agree with looking at possibilities, but I just want to look at realistic possibilities. And to me, this doesn't sound realistic at all. This is more like what I would call a pipe dream. Mm. <laughs> all depends on what you have in that pipe. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, what kind of, dream, for, what kind of dreams you're going to have afterwards, baby? <laughs> I mean, I know you're not a big fan of the, the unions, Jason, but they do have their place. I mean, look at you, UPS drivers getting 150 grand yeah. a year. Damn. And benefits and all that jazz. Why? Because they have a union behind them. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. There's going to be zero cannabis companies that are going to have the the budget to pay bud tenders 150 grand a year. That's just not realistic. I'm just saying. none of the small guys. Yeah. But if it's overrun by all countries, will be out of business before. <laughs> That could exactly. Never exactly. <laughs> like, like, like I said, if it's going to be all MSOs, maybe. <laughs> Real talk, bud tenders in a lot of situations are the equivalent of like a pharmacist when it comes down to talking to people about their medical issues and what cannabis can do for them. And so taking medical advice from a minimum wage employee, there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> well, and I can see other benefits of these folks getting into the fight. I can see unions uh, arguing to get rid of 280E and things of that nature so they can get the money that they want to get paid. You're I not. Think you're, that, that's not going to happen, though, until the SEIU gets out of the way on all this and, and, and their stranglehold. Okay, well, bless your heart on that, if that's what you it's really think. It's just the truth. Um, it's going to change, Jason Beck, and I would say in the next couple of years, 280E will be gone. Um, I, I, I believe that I believe that will be gone before legalization happens. No, no, Whole no, it won't. Not a chance. Going to have cannabis operations before the fucking federal government gets their shit together around banking. Embarrassing. This is so mm -hmm. embarrassing. Well, fourteen dollars an hour is not going to feed nobody's family, and that's what they pay bud tenders here in in Tucson. Well, in Arizona, minimum wage. It's bullshit. Fourteen dollars an hour to stand on their feet for forty hours a week. You I mean, think about it. Minimum wage, just period, has to be, it has to equal what the bare bones cost of living is. Otherwise, what's the point of even working? I hear you, but who, who, changes those, who changes all that shit? Unions do. So I don't know why we're so anti-union here. I don't, I don't think anybody besides, think besides Jason's really it, But I also feel like unions oftentimes over extend their authority or their position and sometimes just take it way too far but there is a place for them definitely especially like rico said in larger corporations yeah unions get a small amount of worker pay to advocate for workers uh the actual uh villains are ceos c-level uh corporate interests and investors the investor class and venture capitalists um, they've got all of us pointing at the unions, which are actually a force for protecting the worker 
as the big evil. And we just forget about all of these super billionaires, their gigantic yachts, the absence of health care for every American. I think it's really smart instead of just regurgitating what we see on the news, which is uh, mostly brought to you by the CIA and the NSA. I think it's smart. We really start actually thinking and putting our critical thinking to what is going on and finding who the real villains are here. It's not unions that brought us the 40 hour work week, the eight hour work day, uh, paid holiday time off. And I could just go, et cetera, et cetera, safer working conditions, et cetera. It's CEOs, COOs, it's the corporate class, it's venture capitalists, investment bankers. They're the ones that are hoarding the wealth, keeping it from us. But let's start really like using our mind and pointing our our, our intellect towards the actual perpetrators. Oh man, I'm 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 not mad at that. I'm not mad at that, Matthew Saint Germain. I'm not mad at that synopsis. But we gotta keep it rolling right there, and we're gonna go right to a commercial and we'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Up next... It is the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world and also supporting deadbeat presidents. Great, <laughs> great stage. presidents. <laughs> Y'all only. know who it is. <laughs> Jason Beck! Oh, oh, yeah. That's right. Great, great presidents. So, so great that they'll have two different numbers. That's how great they are. Mm-hmm. 45 and 47. Just watch out. Here we is go. Is that, that his inmate number? Inmate number? Yeah, I was hey, going to say that second hey, number is hey, hey, more than two digits. There we go. go. Gretchen. Oh, you guys are funny. Inmate numbers have way more numbers than four digits, though. Uh, that is that is real cute. <laughs> that is real cute. I do will say that that was, that was, that was pretty snazzy of you guys. Pretty, pretty witty. I'm impressed with you guys. You guys are getting a little bit of humor. But I'll tell you what. Germans... They're staged a rally demanding legalization of cannabis. Chancellor Olaf Scholz's cabinet is due this week to discuss a draft bill that would allow the limited consumption of hashish and marijuana, and the plans have been widely criticized as impossible to police. Sounds like it's going to be like New York or L.A. all over again. Uh, Hundreds of people joined the annual cannabis legalization protest in Germany's capital in Berlin on Saturday, days before the cabinet is due to discuss a draft of how it will overturn a ban on the drug. Police said between 500 and 600 people took part in the Hans Hans Parade Hemp Parade. The numbers were, however, about a third of last year's 1,500 participants. The parade started with a rally at the city's Rotz, Rotas, which is known as Red Town Hall, and the protest route included the Unterden Linden Boulevard and the government district in Alexanderplatz. Hemp is great for peace and climate, was the motto of this year's demonstration. The hemp parade has been had annually since 1997 and the purpose is to call on the government to liberalize laws 
on soft drugs such as marijuana and hashish, which are derived from the cannabis plant. Parade organizers also advocated for easier access to medical cannabis and the widespread use of hemp, which is the same plant species as cannabis. The government is planning to legalize cannabis, potentially allowing adults to possess up to 25 grams of cannabis and allow a maximum of three plants per personal use. Under a proposed law, the drug could be cultivated and sold by so-called cannabis clubs subject to strict rules, including the neutral packaging and a maximum of 50 grams per customer per month. The cabinet is due to discuss the bill in the coming week, and Health Minister Carl Lutterbach uh, was cited by DPA news agency as saying... Pro-cannabis advocates within the coalition government are hoping to legalize the drugs this year. The ministry, the health ministry thinks the measure could save the country's police, legal system, and prisons more than $1 billion, that's $1.11 billion in costs per year. However, the proposed law faces many hurdles, including one from German Judges Association, the DRB, which believes that it will be cumbersome to uphold. In a quote, this very small scale law would necessitate a high level of control, which would lead to numerous new disputes and too many proceedings before the courts, DRB Federal Director Savan Rubin told DPA on Saturday. And DRB says the proposed law will also have little impact on the black market for drugs. Earlier this month, the deputy held... Uh, the, the deputy hat or head of the German police union, the GDP, said the new law would place a huge burden on the police. And GDP deputy federal chairman Alexander Pilots told the uh, I'm not even going to try to rename that the R&D network that the draft bill lacked precision and foresight. And in a quote, at no point in the draft paper does it become clear how the expected increased technical and personnel effort of the police and other authorities are to be managed, Pollitt said. The plan, the plan law would allow people to smoke marijuana in public, but not within 200 meters of schools, daycare centers, playgrounds, or sports fields. In a quote, I hope that the Federal Ministry of Health doesn't think our colleagues would measure the required 200-meter distance between a, a consumer and a daycare center with a tape measure, they say. The Free Democratic Party, the FDP, the smallest in Chancellor Olaf Scholz's coalition has also criticized the plans in a quote. He says, in its current form, it would create a real bureaucratic monster that can hardly be controlled. Christine Ludke, the FDP's uh, addiction and drug policy spokesperson, told uh, the recent she post newspaper last month. The FDP preliminary group firmly rejects an upper limit for possession. And after all, no one controls how many battles, bottles of wine someone stores in their cellar, she said. Instead, she called for uh, proportionate and accurate regulations that provide real protection for young people and at the same time do not lead to a additional burdens on the police and the judiciary. The draft is likely to change as lower house of the German parliament on Budenstag debates it. So they are marching and protesting. They have, they lost two thirds of their group from last year. What is going on? Cause there are no lockdowns in Germany right now. So why do you think that they lost two thirds of their population at this event? I don't know, but this is Jason Beck for the high at nine news hour. What do y'all think about this?
Sounds like somebody's social media page was blocked. (laughs) (laughs) They got shadow banned. (laughs) Shadow banned for sure. I mean, that's. No, I think that this is probably just another one of those situations where everybody thinks someone else is going to do it for them. And so they don't need to show up. I don't know. That, that, That very could be too. That very could be true. Maybe the train was down. Think the train system was down? Maybe possibly that day on that Saturday they were doing what some work on the, the rails. The protest at? Well, I mean, I mean, by the pictures, it looks like it was daytime. So, but you know, you know. I mean, I love to see movement like this. I mean, just large groups of people demanding something, but half or what a fraction of what their normal group is. I mean, it sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like um, cannabis lobbying here in the U.S. <laughs> it does. It does. It, it, you guys, it very seriously, much does because so. just, just, you know, right before COVID, all of these um, political organizations, especially like here in California, CCIA and NCIA were having events that were very well t- attended. And now these organizations are dying because no one's coming to their events like Political activism. A lot of people want to talk the talk, but nobody wants to walk the walk, right? Yeah. Well, and, and, and political same- activism on behalf of this plant is very expensive in more than just your wallet. It's expensive with your emotions. It's expensive on your business because you, it's distracting from your business. It's just expensive on your family because there's always a toll that your family pays for when you're trying to do something like this. So think a lot of people are just tired and the government is just full of bullshit all over the place well i I think i think i think one of the other reasons for that mandy is that a lot of these um a lot of these organizations are advocating for policies that that the industry overall doesn't agree with you have a small handful of board members that want to push some type of certain agenda on on the on the public or on the on the industry and the industry is saying no you know what we're not with it we're not going to support your group anymore and we're out Mm-hmm. You think Rico? I thought okay, weed we was already go, legal go, go, in Germany because yeah, we'd have uh, get it together though. We had German criminalized there, isn't okay. it? Because we had German officials visiting some grows and some companies in California recently to talk about uh, exporting when it's legal in the U.S. I mean, it sounds like they're like Germany is almost. Uh, I th- I find it interesting that the that the judges um, and and lawyers are basically saying it's going to cause too much backlog in their courts, and police are just like, I don't know how we're going to enforce any of these things if you guys make this happen, and uh, m- maybe at the same time, maybe they should all just relax and take a chill pill and not worry about enforcement on these little things and focus more on real serious things like fentanyl and terrorism. Take a bong hit and reprioritize. Exactly. Looking like a true Republican there. Um, what the hell, Jason? Beck? You're welcome, Gretchen. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's attitudes like that, which has nobody showing up that their protests to legalize. I mean, this is apathy 101. People are waiting, like Mandy said, for someone else to do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, their legislature is getting ready to do it. So, of course, they got to wait, wait for someone to do it because the legislature is the only one that can do it. Okay, oh, I mean, but I mean, yeah. you got to show up and tell them what you want. I agree with that part. I definitely agree. If what's I think, that? We're beginning to see a lot of steam being let out of the movement globally. Unfortunately, it's starting to bleed out into other countries. Lots of they're tired of waiting, mm-hmm. and a lot of folks don't have you don't have that runway to play the long game. But these corporations do. They've just been waiting for motherfuckers to tap out. 
starting to do it. I mean, and frankly, the U.S. matters. I mean, if the U.S. is just sitting there on their hands doing nothing, these guys have no interest in moving forward. It's the same with, like, all the athletes and the various countries involved with all those bands. I mean, there is no reason for anyone to be first through the wall on this. They just don't care. It's not an issue that anyone cares about enough to make it happen I find as it a government. I find it interesting that we're talking about Germany and you said first through the wall. Just saying, just saying, just saying, just saying, just, just saying, you know, uh, all right, we're going to keep walls, Jason walls. Yeah. We're going to keep, we're going to keep this, keep this party rolling. We're going to move right into the dope dad himself. That's right. It's Rico Lamide. He's a professional flip flopper, a professional flapjacker. And of course it's little baby <laughs> Zozo's dad. That's right. It's none other than the Rico Lamide. I do like pancakes. <laughs> do you flip flop your flapjacks? Yeah, my story. <laughs> I like that one, man. I like flapjacks. Keep calling it, bro. Keep that griddle on uh, warm and sizzling. Uh, but my story actually uh, does go um, a little hand in hand with, uh, with 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 Gretchen's. So um, just opening that up for debate afterwards. But um, my question is: Are MSOs the only vehicles with enough change in their cup holders? To pay the hefty toll on the road to social equity? Sure, looking that way in Connecticut. Adult use retail in the Constitution State legalized back in 2021, and sales finally kicked off this January. So far, uh, the only so-called equity joint ventures, uh, which are partially owned by large MSOs, have opened. Technically, under Connecticut law, the number of dispensaries a person can open is limited to one, and in some special cases, two. So how are the industry's largest retailers opening six? Social equity. The original intent of Connecticut's social equity program was to, quote, provide fairness for its legalization initiative and at least in part provide economic opportunity for groups disproportionately impacted by the illegal and racist war on drugs. But local advocates say that social equity has been nothing more than a cash and land grab for MSOs, a way for them to use money to sidestep the state's one person, one dispensary rule. So what exactly is an EJV? By law, Connecticut equity applicants with an average household income of less than three times the state median or and or were recently a resident of an area disproportionately affected by the war on drugs may open one dispensary each. Equity applicants may also, uh, however, partner with organizations or individuals with existing medical cannabis establishments, forming what the state defines as an equity joint venture or an EJAV. Each one of these existing medical dispensaries may open two such equity joint ventures. And EJVs are how Chicago-based Verano uh, Connecticut's largest manufacturer and one of the largest MSOs in the country is six recreational dispensary openings in its short-term plans. Connecticut equity applicants must own at least 50% of the venture, uh, and a dispensary facility, including its backers, may not increase ownership in an equity joint venture in excess of 50% until seven years after the license has been issued. Even though Verano is the venture's minority partner, the majority owner isn't even listed on the state's license data publicly online. However, the majority owner is. Uh, 
they're limited to owning a single dispensary, whereas the partner can only can open up to six. James Leventis, Verano's vice president for legal, regulatory, and government affairs, confirmed the Norwich dispensary is the their Norwich dispensary is the first of six Verano-backed EJVs. We set off close to two years ago now uh, to really lay strong groundwork towards realizing the potential of this program and maxing out the allowable footprint uh, that what the state will provide us with under its licensing scheme. We have three existing medical licenses from before the program, so we were allowed to open six if we were found appropriate part if we found appropriate partners and we had the desire to pursue these, which we did. In an obvious I think we done fucked up statement. Connecticut State Representative Josh Elliott, a Democrat, said that the legislature was trying to allow a foot pull, uh, people a foothold into the market. But at a certain point, we have to also recognize the laws of capitalism would be central. I don't know how much these larger conglomerates being uh, becoming such outsized players in the equity market was really what we had envisioned. <laughs> New Britain local Adam Lewis testified before the Social Equity Council when the, the law was being discussed. He said this during a recent interview. The way I see it, it's really nothing more than a written invitation for the deepest pocketed ventures, uh, vultures to swoop in for the shameless cash grabbing. That's all it is. They're literally using disproportionately affected folks as a token. Then there's Ben Zacks, COO of the local chain Fine Fettle. Uh, which under state law passed last year is allowed six equity joint ventures of its own. Um, as opposed to the MSOs, they're a smaller outfit, but they do have a lot of uh, locations. Zach said this, it's a law that he personally lobbied against because he felt the goal of spreading the wealth was likely to create significant less wealth. But now his company's a minority owner of six adult use locations that he calls EJVs, uh, and now he's calling EJVs a good way to get equity ownership into the industry. It's a capital-intensive business. It's a hard business, he said. By definition, the social equity partners only have a certain amount of income or net worth. By giving them a partner who is established, it gives them the opportunity to, su to succeed. We're in an industry where you can't take out a loan, you can't get started, you need a ton of capital. But Zach's uh, said he does. He but Zach's does concede the strict limitation on how many EJVs a social equity applicant can own blunts the program's intent. We wanted to have a structure where multiple owners owned an equal piece of multiple entities, so that it's like, hey, we're all in this together. There are currently 18 approved equity joint ventures in Connecticut. Four are owned by Cureleaf, which declined to comment on the story. Of course they did. Uh, Verano's <laughs> Leventis said that the equity joint venture process is beneficial to both larger companies and their equity partners. The good old rising tide lifts all boats metaphor, eh? Trickle down economics. Gotta love it. Leventis says a company like Verano has, has the capital expertise and supply chain that allow majority equity owners to open cannabis businesses they might not otherwise be able to. It's a 50-50 joint venture and we're not hiding anything there. I don't think that anything has gone against the intent of the legislature in setting up this program. It was a very plain on its face. This was actually more restrictive for the big national companies in that the only way that you could get any additional retail footprint is by partnering with somebody who otherwise a lot of these companies wouldn't have. By failing to make these ventures uh, 51-49, I'm pretty sure in the long run, Connecticut's well-intended social equity plan will end up with the same folks it was designed to help once again getting screwed over. Let's be real here. 
There's no 50-50 partnership when your partner in kind is a corporation backed by hundreds of millions, if not billions in capital. But this isn't a problem unique to Connecticut. Social equity programs nationwide have failed to equip the majority of applicants with resources necessary to stay afloat. There are a ton of economic hurdles to clear on the industry's plant-touching side. Uh, so when everyone sees non-social equity businesses struggling too, it's that much harder to make the argument for special treatment, regardless of whatever weight that argument carried back in 2021. Two years ago, a good friend of mine, Kristen Yoder, launched an awesome t-shirt company um, called Cynical Stoner. Google it and show her some love if you guys can. Um, she's an incredible human being and an OG in the game too. One of my favorite quotes on her shirts was, uh, friends don't let friends buy corporate cannabis. I half jokingly at the time told her that I wanted mine with an asterisk and fine print underneath saying that unless you're black, because it's pretty much the only way that we'll be able to afford a sustainable uh, spot at the table. And here we are. So I got two questions for, for discussion today. Are partnerships with big box MSOs the only way that social equity businesses will survive uh, this industry in the long run? And are deals to secure entry into the market with corporate partners whose goals are clearly not in alignment with your own? Are they worth the compromise? I'm Rico Lamit, dope is out on the street. Looking to hear what you guys say about this one. Oh man, man, man. Yeah, this is this is not gonna end well for social equity applicants in Connecticut, I don't feel <laughs> at like all, at man. all, at all. Um, the best I feel like they can hope for is a large is a large payout by one of these MSOs for their license and then go and invest that and in, uh, and really create some generational wealth with that investment. But other than that, I think they're ultimately all going to get the shaft. Agreed. Does it say what type of licenses these social equity applicants are uh, applying for? Or is it is it like all retail all or is retail. it is all retail? Yeah, adult use retail. They're supposed to go to only uh, social equity, but um, they're all MSOs. Personally, think that dispensaries. Yeah, it's, not even, it's not even a majority minority uh, owned. It's 50 50. What's really interesting to me is all these different social equity programs that are popping up, all these different municipalities. They have, you know, a director and like a bunch of staff helping to organize the program and keep things going. But the one thing, one thing that these social equity applicants need more than money in the very beginning is good legal counsel. And if you don't have good money, you can't get good legal counsel. And so my my call out to these social equity programs is to provide somebody has a law degree in something around contracts and business to at least evaluate these proposed contracts between the social equity applicant and these MSOs. And I know that the municipalities probably don't want to take on the liability for this or whatnot, but at the very least, they could say to the social equity applicant, we have somebody that can help you look over this paperwork or have a slew of volunteer lawyers who are willing to donate some pro bono time here and there. I mean, how many social equity licenses are they giving out? There's only a, a couple, right? Yeah. And so it's not yeah. like hundreds of people they're asking them to meet with. At the very least, they could identify a predatory contract. Well, I, I would well, think or they could just not let the predatory contract happen to begin with um, and not let these corporations. Sure, you can. You can say that corporations can have ownership in these social equity licenses, that the license is awarded to this person and sink or swim, make it work. Then, 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 then they're not, not going to get what you got to do. Then they're, then they're not going to get any money. If you don't, money. then you're not going to. 
I understand. But hello, let's look at capitalism here. This is why this doesn't work, because we are trying to put in a socialist type program into a system that it's not made to do. We're trying to give people a handout, uh, which is not the fucking way to succeed in business. It's just not. So until you start looking at this program in actual ways that might work, look at it based on economics. Don't look at it based on race. I mean, there are different ways to approach giving people money that's not going to totally destroy everything. I mean, we keep talking about how we need to keep them away from predators. We need to do this. We need to do that. They need fucking money. And they're not going to get money based on the way that it's going. So let's give them a system that actually works in capitalism. Not Let's not try and carve out a special one that just doesn't work. You know, a- Gretchen, I think you hit the nail on the head right there when you said they need money. It's a great That's what they need. Reparations. I have a question. Go for it. <laughs> That's how you right the wrongs of the past and you pay your debt to the people that you owe. Give them the money that you owe, right? Gretchen, do you think that yes, there ma'am. is any state thus far that has a social equity program that is that that is actually um, designed or written for people who would qualify, whatever this qualify is, that would really qualify as a true social equity uh applicant are there any states that 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 we can kind of use as a model because everyone that we've seen so far is effed up so they're all terrible (laughs) okay that's that was my question what needs to happen truly is the reason these businesses fail is because they don't have access to capital i mean it's not that's why they're partnering up with these people. If they had the money, they wouldn't be getting in bed with these corporations. They could stand up against them, but they don't. And, and just so to- you need to open up the SBA. You need to open up loans. You need to pass safe banking. You need to make avenues that will work for social equity. And, and, and Mandy, how about Mandy, safe banking just for social equity he, programs? How about, how about saying, yeah. safe banking already? How about that? But but in, in, in all reality, that? Mandy, you know, you touched on a good point about about these social equity applicants needing lawyers to 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 help them with all this. And there's a number of law schools that are Ivy League law schools in Connecticut that easily could use the students in their Ivy League law school to dedicate some type of charitable cause to helping these social equity applicants avoid predatory deals. And I'm really surprised that all these limousine liberals haven't thought of that yet. I don't want a law student working on my business. I want a real lawyer who's actually passed the bar. I don't care. You look who they look into these schools. Uh, Trump, all these jagoffs. Uh, Well, the real and I hear you, Mandy, on they need better legal representation. You know what pays for better legal representation? Money. Money. They need money. Money, money, money. It's all connected. If you have. Go for it. Go for it, Chris. Yeah, I think I think um, Gretchen and Mandy have great points and they're super connected. Right. If you've ever raised money or, uh, you know, grown a business or took on investment or talked about a cap table, you know, investors want to see what the contracts say. So I, I, I think absolutely money uh, solves some of these problems, but also, you know, identifying predatory contracts and making sure that, you know, folks are set up to accept investment from, you know, sophisticated uh, business advisors and, and folks who want to help grow 
um, their business rather than, you know. Uh, Once again, asking for your financial support. And on that, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh yeah, stop whatever you're doing right now. Make sure you hit that like button. It's free to do and it helps our algorithm. So help us out a little bit. Also too, make sure that you subscribe to the channel if you haven't subscribed already. And because we're short on time, we're gonna run this second ad and we'll be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info omarfigueroa.com She is a pot product extraordinaire and entrepreneur known for bla blazing trails and doobies alike. The head honcho over at Women's Canna Awards and also known as Carmen Sacramento for her travels throughout the world searching for the best edibles everywhere. Coming to the stage, y'all know who it is, Mandy Tingler. Everybody, let me swap screens here real quick. I've got an interesting one for you. My headline today comes from Bluntness Media and it reads Topless dancers and bottomless buds, Massachusetts strip club signals desire to open a dispensary inside its club. A new vision for a topless cannabis dispensary has been shared for Club Castaway, a strip club located in Western Massachusetts. The proposed dispensary would combine the sale of cannabis with live nude performances, prompting concerns about the direction the legal cannabis industry is heading. The idea of a topless cannabis dispensary has sparked outrage amongst critics who say it's a dangerous direction for the industry to be heading. Combination could send a negative message to the public, particularly with youth. Critics argue that by combining cannabis and adult entertainment, it could encourage harmful behavior and normalize the idea that women's bodies are simply a commodity to be sold alongside drugs. This scene is a step in the wrong direction for the evolving cannabis industry, which is seeking to be more responsible, inclusive, and equitable. The proposal for a topless cannabis dispensary and lounge is demeaning and exploitive and an exploitive idea that does not align with the kind of cannabis industry we want to see, said Jennifer, a 42-year-old restaurant industry worker from Boston. We need to be promoting responsible and respectful cannabis use and removing stigma, not perpetuating negative stereotypes and objectifying women. The proposed dispensary, which is still in the planning stages, has been met with opposition from the Northampton City Council. Councilor Marianne Labarge has expressed concern about the location of the dispensary, which is near a school and a residential neighborhood. 
We want to make sure that cannabis dispensaries are located in safe, appropriate areas that are not going to put our children and residents at, re at risk, said Labarge. The combination of cannabis and adult entertainment is not a new concept. In 2019, the city of West Hollywood, California, approved a cannabis dispensary that features a rooftop lounge with live music and burlesque shows. It's disappointing to see the cannabis industry taking this direction, shared Roberto, an army vet and medical cannabis patient. While cannabis lounges and other social consumption venues are becoming an important part of the legal cannabis industry, the proposed topless dispensary at Club Castaway is seen as a threat to the progress made in terms of gaining acceptance and overcoming stigma. The industry must strive to be responsible, equitable, and socially acceptable to ensure that cannabis is used, viewed as a legitimate and valuable addition to society. In conclusion, proposed topless cannabis dispensary at Club Castaway has raised valid concerns about the sexualization of women in the cannabis industry. It's important for the industry to be mindful of its impact on society and ensure that it promotes responsible use and stigma. The nascent legal cannabis industry has the potential to provide valuable source of revenue and employment, but it also must be mindful of its impact on society. The proposed topless cannabis dispensary at Club Castaway serves as a reminder that there are still some challenges and controversies surrounding the industry as it continues to evolve. Now, you guys, I'm sure that this is a nice and spicy topic for a Monday morning, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. This is Mandy or Carmen Sacramento for Hyatt 9 News. I love this story. This, yeah, I love how this one yeah. keeps on coming back around. Exactly. Is, is this the same people that, is, that, that, that said they were going to do it at first and then can their whole idea? I think this yes. is a different group. No, it's the same one. It's is the it same the same one? one? I thought it was different, too. Also, it's, they're, they're back yeah, it's on. The they're back on it. Away. Maybe. Uh, on. Yeah, they, they, are, um, they keep on bringing it up, and it's still up in the air because it, it's the town council said it's legal for them to do it. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they got the strip club back up and running and um, I guess they're trying to build buzz around uh, having cannabis sales in there, too. I just feel like cannabis should be accessible wherever alcohol is. And if there's alcohol at this nightclub, you should be able to pick cannabis as an alternative. Yeah, I think you're going to have a lot less aggressive, handsy clients <laughs> in there ah. if you uh, swap out those uh, beers with bongs. I mean, mm -hmm. I just, I, I feel like... Uh, you do a lot more with the bong, too. I, I, I do feel like, though, with, with this, the, the argument of that it's near a school, I think that's going to fall on deaf ears because that would be handled in, under a zoning ordinance, and I don't think that these people would be applying at a location if it wasn't within the proper zoning ordinance in the first place. No, and uh, the, the strip club, I mean, the strip club never moved. It's the same place. <laughs> Same location. So right. if the strip club's right next to a school, like <laughs> where do you think your kids are graduating to? <laughs> you know, the there is something to be said about the the concept of the way women are portrayed. Now listen, you're choosing to be a dancer, right. good on you. Go make your money, do your thing. It is a choice. No one's forced into a strip club, right? So in that circumstance, if that's the job that you want to take, if that's the way that you want to work, uh, judging. Nips, yeah, I mean, nips for I, tips. I, I hope I hope my daughter doesn't take that route, but um, I mean, we all hope that, 18, right? But like at the end of the day, she's 18, I'm not... she'll have a gun on her too. So 
<laughs> oh yeah, should be strapped but, up. Uh, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm all for it. I'm I'm very inclusive when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm all with this. I would love to go to a strip club and be able to buy weed all at the same time and even just consume my own weed at the same time. That would be amazing. Have all your vices in one place? That's very Oh, efficient. bro, cross-fade for the win. Yeah, triple-fade. Bro, <laughs> bro, it would be like heaven. I might never leave. We'd be, we'd be broadcasting high at nine news from the strip club. Boobs. Booze and doobs. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I love this story. But we got to keep it rolling. We got to roll right on in to our fellow law enforcement correspondent who turned his blunt and a badge in for a notepad. That's right. It is none other than Mr. Chris Eggers, the founder of CCC Security Solutions. That's right. What do you have this morning, Chris? Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Hope everyone had a great weekend. My article today comes out of Marijuana Moment. Um, Rico, this one's for you because I want to talk about following the money. Uh, This is all about money. Michigan marijuana sales hit another record high, reaching $277 million in July. This article is by Kyle Yeager. Uh, Michigan mar- uh, marijuana sales reached yet another record high in July. $277 million. Adult use marijuana purchases accounted for the majority of the total. Uh, at just over 270 million, uh, medical marijuana sales were just over six million. And that beats the prior record set in June by more than 16 million. Uh, makes for an interesting graph. Most of the cannabis purchases came from flour. I like that they did this. Um, so they broke down most of the most of the purchases came from flour, followed by vape cartridges and then infused edibles, according to the CRA data first reported by uh, New Cannabis Venture. Uh, the state is seeing that uh, these consistent record setting sales, even though uh, the average cost of cannabis has remained at record lows with the price of an ounce for adult use cannabis now hovering around $98. In uh, December of 2021, the cost of an ounce was about $180, according to this article, and the average ounce for medical marijuana last month sold for about $102. While the state's cannabis market has continued to mature, businesses still face challenges under federal uh, prohibition, including a lack of access to traditional financial uh, services that has created a cash-intensive industry that is uniquely targeted by crime. Uh, Meanwhile, former Michigan House Speaker Rick Johnson, who went on to chair the state's uh, marijuana licensing board, caught headlines in April after federal prosecutors charged him for allegedly taking bribes in exchange for providing privileged information and assistance to uh, selected state applicants. He and other defendants reached a plea agreement in the case. Michigan regulators announced last year that they were issuing another round of grants to support research. Uh, into the therapeutic benefits of uh, marijuana for military veterans using tax dollars the state generated from adult use cannabis sales. Now, this time around, the CRA recommended awarding about $20 million in grants to two universities as part of the uh, Veteran Marijuana Research, the VMR grant program. Officials also announced last year that the state would be distributing about $150 million in marijuana tax revenue divided between uh, uh, various municipalities, public schools, and transportation funds. Uh, meanwhile, the state officials recently approved changes to the state's employment policy, making it so, uh, so applicants for most government jobs will no longer be subject to pre-employment uh, drug testing for marijuana. Uh, so that's my article this Monday. Again, hope everyone had a great weekend. Um, sounds like, you know, Michigan's uh, trending upward and, and you know, a little bit of insight into how those uh, tax dollars are intended to be used. My name is Chris Eggers, and I'm reporting for the Hyatt 9 News Hour.
I'm sure Michigan, governor. You know what? I had a, I had a, I had a call with a, a client last week in Michigan, and he said that they have um, they are approaching Oregon prices, five dollar eighths, <laughs> top oh. shelf. I mean, I, I believe that there is a lot of boof weed in Michigan, but there is a lot of good weed too. I mean, Cookies has their highest grossing store in the entire country is in Detroit, Michigan. How do you say good weed and then cookies in the same sentence, bro? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Matthew. Please forgive me. Yeah, it's okay. I still love yes, you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I said but there is some good weed in Michigan. I, I didn't, I'll say, agree that, with I didn't that say that there was good weed at cookies. I said that there was a lot of good weed in Michigan because after I just all, wanted to make sure people knew. After it all, it is. I am White Gucci, and that is Trap City. <laughs> Lots of good stuff going on. There. Shout out to the scammers. <laughs> Detroit. <laughs> Hold on a second. So are you telling me that all that 277 million is all PPE funds that were been misdirected? <laughs> Detroit has uh, the, the new wave of rappers coming out of Detroit. Like just talk about just give like a, a, a DIY advice for scamming <laughs> in I, their bars. I do like that. I got an eye roll from Gretchen, though. That was that was fantastic, Gretchen. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Michigan like break. They, they're breaking all these um, these records and everything. I, I, I don't know, man. Is it going to be sustainable, or is, is Michigan going to turn into the next Oregon? Like, well, I'm just I'm just waiting for Governor Whitmore to take take a bunch of this money and misappropriate it like she did with the the veterans funds that forty million dollars. I don't know, man. It's just like you saw what happened with Veritas Labs, man. They got screwed over by the state, and they're not allowing them pursue the proper legal action against uh, the corrupt administration. Mm -hmm. Because what? Because they're a federally illegal business. That's why they, they can't say shit. That's so. right. That's right. It's crazy how that works, right? Isn't it? It's crazy. It's half-assed backwards. Oh, man. But. Got nothing but love for Michigan, though, man. Shout out to the D. My, my, my people yeah. in the D. Shout out to my the D. Kalamazoo. Oh, yeah. Man. Ann Arbor, all those fun places. Yes, indeed. Gretchen, what do you think about this? I think, I think, I think uh, Michigan is eating Maryland's lunch. I think Michigan has a much larger population than Maryland, and suck it. It's the first month. Let's look at what Michigan's on? first month of sales were. <laughs> Jason Beck. They're eating Maryland's Next. lunch. You're crazy. What are you talking about? You are such a trumper. You just say shit. Just for kids. <laughs> drives me nuts. It's true. It's I need to hear from St. Germain. I need a voice of reason. Let's move along. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Matthew I've Saint become Germain, the voice of reason. Voice We're in of trouble. Reason. Here we go. Let's do it. There's a reason for the voice. <laughs> but is he a voice of reason? One thing is for sure, he is an immortal cannabis wizard with two PhDs in tripping balls. <laughs> Co-host of What's Good Podcast and bringing us home today, Matthew St. Germain. Thank you, Brother Rico. Thanks, everybody. Happy Monday. Boy, I've got a, I've got a story I was going to try to dive really deep into. We're going to try to do the two-minute version, all right? We're on the cusp of another psychedelic era, but this time Washington is along for the ride. There's a new cause in Washington that's uniting Republicans, Democrats, and Biden health officials. Psychedelics is a cure for America's mental health crisis. Long derided as, a counter, as counterculture party drugs, psychedelics are gaining new resonance. 56 years after psychologist Timothy Leary urged 30,000 hippies in San Francisco's Golden Gate Park to 
turn on, tune in, and drop out. This time, it's not about breaking free of state convention. Yeah, it is. Uh, but also about healing intractable psychic wounds. The FDA has already approved one psychedelic to treat depression. That's ketamine. Uh, the nation's top drug re- regulators in Congress are pushing for more study of psychedelics potential to treat mental illness that now afflict more than a quarter of Americans. The results that are coming out are just groundbreaking. Earth-shattering, said Representative Morgan Luttrell, represent, uh, Republican of Texas, a former Navy SEAL who credits therapy and two psychedelics, Ibogaine and 5-MeO-DMT with helping him overcome the trauma he suffered after his Black Hawk helicopter went down during a 2009 training mission where he was training to murder innocent brown people so the U.S. could maintain control of their resources. Joe was at first reluctant to try these drugs. He was like, how are these going to help me uh, erase the thoughts of killing all of these innocent people, probably a bunch of children? Right, so we're going to keep going down. We're going to keep going down. Uh, Ketamine has been approved for uh, drug-resistant depression. I think that's really great that we have to watch out because ketamine can actually have negative uh, uh, impacts on both your kidneys and your bladder if overused. And because it does offer relief from trauma, it does have a high uh, propensity for a psychological um, uh, addiction. Uh, the FDA has also granted two other psychedelics, psilocybin and MDMA, breakthrough therapy status. Uh, and unit offered advice for manufacturers testing these drugs. And uh, MAPS is uh, in a phase three trial run right now that's being published by Nature with the FDA for MDMA as a PTSD treatment combined with talk therapy. Now, the way it works is you have to do a couple months of talk therapy with a, psych- a psychologist, then you do the MD sessions, and you come back for more talk therapy. And they're finding that this has wild uh, levels of success. Um, the same thing is happening with mushrooms and also, and treatment-resistant depression as well. Uh, uh, forgive me, I'm kind of editing as we go because we're out of time. Um, there's over 245 studies currently on psychedelics, and um, a bunch of corporations think they're going to make a ton of money on this stuff, which is not really what it's about. It basically goes on, and we say if the largest healthcare system in our nation figures out how to roll these therapies out, other healthcare systems are going to be able to use that model, and we need to use this to help veterans, they say, and uh, and uh, um, and, and others. Now, I, I want to just uh, shout out a couple things really quick. Number one, Aldous Huxley's bo- uh, book, Brave New World, we're at risk of psychedelics becoming SOMA, becoming a, a, a salve for the corporate dystopia, the corporate capitalist dystopia we have. Don't allow them to be that. Use psychedelics in an awake and aware fashion. While psychedelics might be and, and are useful for depression and trauma, they're also useful for orienting your consciousness towards what import what is important and what is real on this planet as we navigate forward. Um, going back to Dr. Timothy Leary's turn on, tune in, drop out, this man was demonized. What he meant was turn on with or without drugs to the fact that the world is not working, the systems are not working, who you are, where you're located, and what the actual truth of your situation is. Tune in to how you can be helpful. Tune in to how you can educate yourself. Tune in to how you can help others. Drop out. doesn't mean drop out of society. It means drop out of the social status hero games. Drop out of trying to accrue more than your neighbors. Start to orient yourself towards what is true. Think for yourself. Question authority. Question the messages you're given by your family members, by your society, as well as by the media. Think for yourself. Question authority. And lastly, if we want to help veterans, instead of sending them overseas to murder, rob, and kill people so that the U.S. can protect its imperial might across the planet, we could close the over 750 military bases overseas. We could drop our, our military budget from $800 billion to a trillion plus, including black budgets. We could provide free health care, free schooling for all Americans. What do you guys got to say to that with uh, no minutes left?
Hey, psychedelics for the win, man. Yeah. Psyche, psyche. Very, very psyche today, Matthew St. Germain, especially with your background going on over there. It's trippy. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, I, I'm down with the psychedelics. I'm, I'm not sure that there necessarily are for everybody, but I do think that a number of people, um, that it does benefit a number of people, especially with, with traumatic uh, memories and whatnot, that, that it does help them in a major, major way. As a former therapist, mental health therapist, and also somebody who has tried psychedelics, it's a game changer. And it's not the catch-all answer. Everybody's body chemistry is different and needs are different, but this is a much stronger catalyst for help than a lot of the pharma medications that we're seeing out there and much stronger talk therapy. Psychedelics can have the, the ability to orient you to what you need to do to change your life. You have to actually engage in your daily discipline and, and do the work in order to change your life. Psychedelics are, are another finger pointing at the thing, but you, my friends, are the thing as well as the natural world. Number one comes educating yourself. Number two is daily discipline. Number three is be awesome to everybody. And on that note, happy Monday, and I love you guys. Love you too, oh, Jason. Man. You got a you got an yeah. announcement before we I, get I, I have one, one 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 quick announcement. We forgot we forgot to do this on Friday, so I do want to w- extend a very 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 happy birthday to Elvie Muska. She is uh, one of two still living federal medical cannabis patients that receive their cannabis via the U.S. Postal Service every month from the University of Mississippi. They started off with nine, and there's only two left in the United States that are still living, and LV is one of them, and we want to make sure that we wish her a very, very happy belated birthday. Happy birthday, LV. Happy birthday, LV. A big shout out to everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of High at Nine News. Catch us live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to the super fans showing love, getting their comments live on the big screen and the live audience and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in for the conversations on daily headlines with us every single morning. To our vetted correspondents tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respective opinions to the table as well. Uh, to our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, all our sponsors keeping the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. And of course, the lovely Jaja Samoan holding things down on all the other platforms besides this one. To the haters out there, keep on loving, baby. We love you too. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason why the Hyatt 9 News team reads these headlines daily. Thank you. It's been Monday, August 14th, 2023. This show's over. You've all been blessed with the top industry headlines. Hope was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until Tuesday. I'm Rico Lumit, the dopest dad on the street for Hyatt 9 News. I'm going to give this one to Chris Eggers. What you got for us, my man? Take us out. for the- All I can say is be kind. Have a great week. Hope everyone had a great weekend. Cheers. Absolutely. Love and peace. Oh.